What's up, everybody? This is Sam with Rowdy Alternative, and today we have Daxton Page, uh, lead guitarist of Kira, a great band out of Oklahoma City, right? Yep, that's right. Yep, right in smack dab in the middle of Oklahoma. That's yep. us. <laughs> right on, man. So how are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, we're Kira specifically. We're kind of in the middle of like writing and recording a lot of new material, so that's been really fun. Uh, just kind of molding and shaping the newest releases. Uh, we just had a recent, uh, we call it a redux of one of our singles that came out before uh, called From the Garden, mm-hmm. uh, which is out now. You guys can go check that out. Where uh, we wanted to release another mix just because like after listening back to it and getting some reception or you know getting some feedback from the fans, we were like, you know what? we're personally not happy with some of the things and some of the fans weren't either. So we went ahead and redid it ourselves. And I think the mix sounds a lot better personally, just for my own personal taste. And I think the fans are going to dig it as well. So yeah, that's brand new. Right on. So when you guys do like, like in that instance, when you do go back and uh, remaster it or whatever, is that uh, you guys yourselves hands on, or do you have another producer who you, who does it for you or how does that work that was all uh this particular release was all hands-on for us like me and uh the guys just sat here in the studio and we just i I just i had the all the stuff at my fingertips and i was like okay what what's something that you want like oh, a little less vocal here i'm like okay gotta go and move it you know a little more bass here I'm like all right you know i just kind of we went bar by bar through the whole song and mixed it kind of according to what we were thinking. So yeah, it was a very, very hands-on process for us, but it was cool though, knowing that at the end that we're like, no, that's what we want. That's, that's how we wanted it to sound. Right on, man. I haven't heard the Redux yet. I've heard the, the original, so I have to go back and uh, listen to that for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, for sure. I can't wait. Um, so I first saw you guys. Uh, I saw you guys only one time, unfortunately. I live in Cincy, so I'm not really close to where you guys frequent. <laughs> But uh, yeah, sure. I, I, y'all were touring with Seven Dust, and you guys played in uh, Indianapolis. And uh, I, I know the guys from Austin Mead's band, and um, I went out there to the see high them. High Fi. Yep. Yes, I yep. remember that. Absolutely. It was hot, Absolutely. hot and sweaty. Hot and sweaty. Oh, dude. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> and then, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. We were cooking that day. That was that was hot. Yeah, and um. Uh, but yeah, that was a badass show, and man, like I didn't know, I haven't heard uh, about you guys at the time. And I was talking to Aaron, who drummed with Austin at the time, and I was like, "Yeah, so like obviously I know Seven Dust. Who's who's these Kira guys?" He's like, "Oh, they're they're like a metal band." I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, "No, they're like a like a metal band." <laughs> and like, he like head banged. I'm like, "Okay, cool, sweet." And he hit the nail right on the head. It was some intense shit, and. Um, awesome. So that yeah. being, yeah, that being said, like what metals a broad, you know, brush to paint with, is there a, if you would put your guys in a, I don't know, maybe a subgenre, if you would describe your music yeah. in a way, what would it be? That's a really good question, man. That's stuff that we, we talk about all the time, just because we don't, we don't know. <laughs> no, but uh, for us, it's like it's 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 on that line of hard rock and metal because no one really knows when one becomes the other, and we try yeah. to ride that line pretty well. Like one of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, that we try to do is 
have a lot of heavy music rhythmic like instrumentally and rhythmically uh but then make the vocals more melodic but then sometimes we want to make the vocals just as aggressive as the music you know mm -hmm. uh, for instance people could listen to three songs in a row they could listen to flesh gives way from the garden and crutch and then our we, our biggest song caving in you could listen to like those four songs and kind of hear the flavors that we like to you know to delve yeah. into because crutch is more of a blues southern inspired song flesh gives way is definitely a metal song to me from the garden is more of a hard rock song as well as caving in you know so yeah i i, I don't really know if we could be nailed down to just one genre, but I just say hard rock, even though that is a very broad term, you know, that's fine yeah. by me though. <laughs> yeah. And um, like the, the thing is, which I love talking, like I love the conversation when it comes to like genres nowadays, it's just so yeah. interesting to me because there's not really, there's so much genre bending. It's like, they don't, if you say, Hey, I'm going to go listen to, I don't know, a country song. You could be listening to some hip hop inspired stuff, some blues inspired stuff. It's just, it's just pretty interesting in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting combinations that have sort of made the main stage recently. Like, uh, especially like you said, country, like there's mm -hmm. been a lot of country and hard rock crossovers that have been happening. Uh, Jelly Roll is kind of at the nexus of three genres. He's, he's tried to kind of do hip hop country and some rock, you know? So, and then that was uh, Jelly Roll. He put on a great show. We opened, uh, we didn't open for him, but we were, uh, on the festival Earth Day birthday, okay, and we were on a stage right to the left of him, uh, right before like he played, and then we, it was our turn, you yeah. know. And uh, he, he put on a great show, and I thought it was interesting. You know, I'm not a country guy personally, but I do enjoy some country music. You know, sure, uh, it just kind of depends on the song. It's so for me in genres, it's always just a song by song thing, because yeah. you, you could hear a, a rap song, a jazz song, a rock song that oh, those are awesome and then hear the same genre and hear three songs and go no those are not it at all right you know, so yeah yeah for no, sure like that that makes a lot of sense and this is a very cliche question but i'm just kind of curious at this point <laughs> is there like uh when you get inspired to make music is there like maybe if it, you want to sit down and listen to something to get inspired is there a certain genre that you go to hmm. that's a good question um that's that's funny. Now that I actually like think about what I listen to to get inspired, it just kind of you know, depending on when you would have asked me that question, that answer would have changed. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, if it was at the beginning of when Kira very first started, if you would have asked me what I listened to to get inspired, it would have been all of the. It, it's funny to think of this now, just considering you know, uh, they're they're considered older bands, but to me, I'm like, oh, I grew up on that, and I don't feel old, but you know, whatever, right? Um, but bands like. Chevelle, Godsmack, Nickelback, Alter Bridge, uh, Shine Down, Disturbed, Avenged Sevenfold, Seether, uh, mm -hmm. all these different bands. I could keep going on and on. Like that's like for instance, when we would tour, that was what the playlist was consisted of: Tool, Sick Puppies, all, all these different kind of bands. And we would just go and go and go. And so then it got to the point where we got so like we had heard like it's very hard for me to hear a song from one of those bands and go, I haven't heard that. Yeah. Right. Just cause we just went through everything, you know? So nowadays I find myself going more to like pop for inspiration. Funny okay. Enough, not necessarily like the top 40 stuff, but just mm -hmm. like 
traditional pop. Like I've gotten some great melodic ideas for rock songs, believe it or not, from the Bee Gees. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, um, you know, like the Beatles always mm-hmm. have great, in, in, there's a lot of inspiration for interesting chord progressions and melodies, you know? Uh, so yeah, just kind of, you know, it depends on what I'm trying to create though, too. Cause sometimes if I want something really heavy, then I'm going to listen to like machine head or I'm mm-hmm. going to listen to, uh, Slipknot or Gojira or yeah, you know those type of bands. You know, just to instigate that those inspirations. Um, I also really, I really like uh, progressive rock or progressive metal mm-hmm. um, bands like Carnival, Twelve uh, Foot Ninja. Okay, uh, even though they're not really doing much nowadays, I really thought that the the stuff they did with the um, I'm trying to remember the name Silent Machine and. Oh, what was the name of that red album? I think it was Outlier. I think that's the name of the record. Okay. Those two records to me are like revolutionary genre bending things. Yeah. And to me, it just kind of like flexes those muscles in my brain as a musician. Like, wow, you could go this way, you know? Don't be afraid to make drastic shifts in your music, you know? Yeah. Uh, that, that's the beauty yeah, of like Prague, that. man. It's like that, like progressive stuff, like. I'm I'm more like with the progressive stuff. I'm more familiar with the like the old progressive rock, like King Crimson stuff okay, like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and like you know, they have like brass and it's psychedelic and it's fucking insane. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Like, and I get it's kind of a niche taste, so it's it's mm. cool when people like it, you know. Because like I I have my best my best buddy. I was like, dude, I've got something cool that I think you'll like. It was the band Tesseract, so kind of a newer Ooh, prog yeah. band. And they have a song. It's a weird name. I can't remember how to pronounce it correctly, so I'm not going to attempt to. But you'll know <laughs> it if you look through the album "Altered State." You'll yeah. see it there. You're like, "What is that word?" And you click on it. <laughs> it, does, it. There's a saxophone solo over like heavy gent style. Wow. You know, and yeah. I'm like, "Oh, dude, that's like, that's so cool." Plus, because I love, I love like John Coltrane. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love that type of. You know, that the timbre of a saxophone, I really yeah. like. Like, I like Miles Davis and I love his melodies and stuff, but to me, the sound of that trumpet is just like really, really, uh, it's, it's a little harsher on my ears. But when, like, if you listen to the song Flamenco Sketches off mm-hmm. the, um, that Miles Davis record, I can't remember off the top of my head. I feel embarrassed about that, but, um, <laughs> yeah, you, you'll hear John Coltrane's solo and just the timbre of the, the sax when done right is just so beautiful. And I thought that Tesseract song did a really cool job of like adding saxophone with this heavy metal sound. And I showed it to my buddy and he goes, nah, dude, I don't like that at all. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he was like, that was weird. I don't know what you just tried to show me there, but I don't like it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought this was going to be like this revolutionary thing that blew your mind. He was like, no, nah, didn't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. And, and like with the, I can see that with the jazz too. Cause I feel like that's one you either love or you hate it. Like there's Absolutely. no in between. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and like, I you know, and I I've always kind of felt that like, even the genres that I don't mess with too much, there's always something there. Like a great artist for that has been Tommy Emmanuel. Okay, because he's more of like a finger style acoustic guitar player. He'll do chord melody. So basically, you know, you hear for the listeners, there uh, that means you play the melody of the vocals on your guitar while you play the guitar part itself. So that's really crazy stuff. But it's cool because. Yeah. You're like an all-in-one band, and Tommy has done a really great job of, like, hey, this is an old song uh, by Elizabeth Cotton, and it's called Freight Train, and 
he teaches you how to play it. And it sounds like kind of like a fun little country ditty, but when you know the history about it, you know, you know, it's like, it makes it a little bit more special. There's yeah. a song called Windy and Warm that Chet Atkins, uh, Chet Atkins used to play. And I think it's originally written by a guy named John Loudermilk, I believe, but mm -hmm. it's really, it's really, when you play it, you know, it's like, whoa, you're kind of taken back to a time and you, you have this appreciation for that music just that, just from yeah. the sake of just like music, you know, when you hear something that just is out of your zone, like rock and metal's my zone, and hearing like bluegrass, oh yeah, inspired music, I'm like that's not that's not anywhere near my zone at all. But right, it just kind of man, I could see myself. It almost transports you in time mm -hmm. to you know that era and hearing it. You're like that's cool. It's like yeah. hearing a good classical piece. You know, it can be very, uh, you know, it can just boom. It just transports you back to whenever you know the baroque period or wherever yeah. you know right yeah. um and going back a bit to what you're saying about like you would listen to like like pop or what you would listen to to be like inspired um yeah what came to my mind when you said that is there's a have you heard of olivia rodrigo she's popping off right now like i've heard the name but i could not tell you a song <laughs> unfortunately yeah, I, I know so like she's definitely not my wheelhouse whatsoever, but like, cause like lyrically I can't relate to a damn thing. It's about, you know, like the it's top 40. Like she's, I think she's like a real young girl. Like she's like talking about boys and that kind of shit. Can't yeah, relate really, to that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you listen to it, like her melodies, I guess, and I'm not mu really a musician, so I can't really, I can't promise my terms are going to be correct, but like, the melody of these songs are so catchy and they stick in your brain. And the reason I'm like kind of putting that out is that when you guys as a band, like sit down to create uh, music or write a song or whatever, uh, do you guys focus on like start out with the songwriting portion of it or the lyrics, or do you go in, all right, we got to nail down like, like a melody or like we got to nail down a riff or how do you guys approach that? That's a, uh, that's a good question, man. It, it comes in all different forms. Like I'll give you two examples. Uh, so there's a song uh, that's a single of ours called Decider. Mm -hmm. um, that was the second song we released with our singer Gabriel. And uh, when we were writing it, we had the main riff of the song um, just by jamming and practice. But we didn't know what to do during the chorus. We didn't know what chords to play. We didn't, you know, we didn't know because a lot of the chorus is the vocal melody and mm -hmm. that's what's going to drive the chorus. So it's hard to write, <coughs> excuse me, yeah. without knowing what that is. And so Gabe came over and he goes, can I sing the melody in your ear? You know, it's kind of loud people playing bass and drumming and stuff. So I'm, I'm listening and he sings the melody into my ear. And so as he's singing it to me, I'm trying to imagine like, okay, that, okay, that chord would, would fit over that note. Okay, that note. Okay. That works. And so I built the chord progression that you hear on the record while he was singing it into my ear. And I was going, okay, that chord goes with that note, that chord goes with that note. That's what, yeah, okay, that's a good one. And so even just in that song, that one song, we wrote it in a, just a jam. Like that was just, oh, yeah. hey, there's a cool riff. And then Gabe's like, I've got this chorus. And we're like, okay, well, let's try to build that. And then we just put the two together and we had 90% of the song right there. Yeah. See, like that, that's like one of the most interesting things to me is like just a fan of music and like all these great songs that are written, it just, it could just fall out like out of the sky into your lap, it seems like. And it seems like so whenever crazy. I ask that, it's just like, 
neither. Like we don't start with anything. It just kind of pops out. And I'll, I guess that's the beauty of it. I'll show you something. Um, yeah. I'll try to, I'll try to get it on my camera. So if, yeah. if this is my voice memos. Oh yeah. And, wow. And, and God, all, all of these are riff ideas or chorus wow. ideas, or sometimes they're like almost full songs, full thought out songs, you know, mm-hmm. like, all these different uh, kind of things, and it just goes on and on and on, wow, forever man. and ever. And the the lowest, listen to me, the the earliest I have is 2013. Jeez, right? Wow, so ten yeah. years, ten wow. years of. And I look at some of these parts, and I'm like, oh, I, I, that song's already done. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, that became a song. That's cool. You know, oh, I forgot that we did this. You know, uh, so we are we're always collecting ideas, and they. It is kind of one of those things where when I'm just sitting by myself and I'm, I'm just playing around on the instrument, things just kind of come to you. It's just something like you'll hear a little thing and you're like, okay, let me get that on here. And then yeah. sometimes it's like, oh, that was cool. And other times it's like, eh, whatever. Right. But you record it no matter what. Even if it's like a mediocre idea, you're like, eh, I just, I'm going to record it. Because then you can move on. And then if one day you're like, man, I need a part. And all of a sudden you remember that part that wasn't really anything. And you're like, that actually would sound really cool here. We did that yep. with a song that's on our uh, EP, uh, Fight or Flight, with our previous singer, Jesse. And mm-hmm. uh, it, the breakdown of the song, Run For Your Life, it was one of those things where like, we need a breakdown. And I had just like a voice memo of me on the edge of my bed with an acoustic playing it. Mm-hmm. And we ended up turning into like a hard rock breakdown. Uh so yeah, it just comes in all different kinds kinds of ways. Just whenever the inspiration strikes, you got to capture it, and then you just work it out with the guys, you know, or whoever the main songwriters of the band are. Nice, that's awesome, man. Um, when uh, going back to when you guys were uh, torn with Seven Dust, just because I I haven't really been able to keep up too well with what you guys have been up to since then. But like, yeah. was that the first big like kind of tour you guys did, or like what? How, how, are there any tours that you've done that are like? damn i can't believe like we're doing this um yeah man it's kind of it's been funny like uh like so when we started out in 2013 that's when we started Mm -hmm. as a band uh we didn't get our first national tour until 20 the end of 2015 beginning of 2016 like literally our first show of the tour was new year's eve okay Uh, it was with saving able and we were direct support for saving able and that was really cool because we had never been on a national tour and man, I could, we could talk for two and a half hours about that tour because there, <laughs> there was a lot of stories that came out of that, man. Cause we, we, we were pretty green, you know, <clears throat> we didn't know very much about like just how the systems of a tour and doing a show after show after show work. I remember being on stage at a venue and I was putting my gear up kind of in the normal speed. I put my gear up and the TM came up to me and was like, you do, we got to go. Come on, come on, let's move it. Move oh, it. yeah. I'm just like, oh, oh gosh, ah. You know, now I'm in the <laughs> way, and I'm like, oh, crap. So it, like, every tour after that, it felt like we were getting complimented left and right. Like, yeah, you guys are really efficient and quick, and you guys try to do – so, like, I, I appreciate a lot of the Saving Able crew that we worked with back in 2016 or so uh, because a lot of them were – well, one, they were just cool people, and some of them were – helping us you know like hey do this do this don't do this this is an easier way to do this hey why don't you just 
do this and then that'll make that easier. I'm like, oh yeah, that's actually a really good point. You know, and so I'll give I'll give you one story out of the plethora yeah. of stories. We started in Michigan, right? So this is January first, Michigan. It's cold, it's snowy, it's icy, you know? So we're like, oh, this is okay. We've dealt with that before in Oklahoma, which we have, so it wasn't Mm -hmm. too bad. But then around the sixth or seventh show or something like that, we were in Fargo, North Dakota. And that was an okay show. We did okay. I remember I had a guitar string break and I had to grab another guitar that wasn't in the same tuning and it was was crazy. Um, (laughs) So we're, we're going from that show to one that's like right down the road. Grand Forks, North Dakota. It should be like an hour drive, I believe. Well, there's a blizzard going on. And, and the guy that normally drives the van is our bass player, Ryan. Him and our um, our previous singer, Jesse, were having a great time, and they were in no shape to be driving. So <laughs> I became the designated driver at that moment. I was like, <laughs> gosh, I was probably like 18 or, or so, 19 oh, years wow. old. Okay, And so I've got this Ford Transit van with all this gear packed to the brim and two passed out drunk buddies in the in the in the back seat and the, my uh, my drummer Zach he's you know he's next to me and he's probably sixteen or seventeen at the time and we're just sitting there like just these two young kids behind the wheel going down the road on this highway that's covered in snow it's super like the ice is. Uh, there's is forming on our windshield, so the mm-hmm. rain is hitting it, and then the ice. It's oh, it's getting so bad. So <laughs> Zach goes to get the antifreeze to spray it, and as he does it, the bottle thing breaks, so he can't spray it. Oh, I'm like, oh my god! So and like it, this, this went on for like three hours as we tried to get to the to the hotel that we had already booked to to stay at that night in Grand Forks, and when we got there. It was just like, oh my God, I can't believe we actually made it through that. Because at one point we pulled over and we almost couldn't get back out. And so it was like, oh, but luckily we did. You know, luckily yeah. we totally made it out and stuff. But it was just, it was You're- very anxiety provoking. But luckily yeah. Ryan and Jesse, they did, they were just like, good job, guys. I just, it was a smooth <laughs> ride over there. It was real slow, it felt like. Got a good did- nap in. I'm like, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. <laughs> because y'all are like y'all are on your own like you don't get any help from like even like when i first like before i knew about how all that worked it's like i thought you could just like austin again it was actually to the hi-fi show that you guys were playing together and i think that's when his trailer like the axle or something just snapped oh yeah i remember he was having a whole bunch of issues yeah. with the trailer that time yeah yeah and it was just like i me being ignorant i'm like can you just like call someone who's like in charge of the tour he's like that ain't how it works so like i didn't know that like you literally are on your own <laughs> yeah yeah like and, and that's the thing too is maybe if we were on like a tour with a like if we were on tour with metallica yeah there there might be like oh dude we know a guy on staff that can do this but like okay you know seven dust they're obviously pretty big and we mm-hmm. they're one of our favorite bands and so we had yeah. a, you know, it was a it was a dream for us to tour with them the first time uh like we started uh we did a tour with them in 2019 with tremani yeah. and a couple other uh, other bands and then uh then we did that one that you were at in 2021 mm-hmm. you know so like yeah we always love touring with seven dust because we love we love their songs and stuff so it it was amazing but like 
Yeah. Uh, sorry, I kind of I forgot what I forgot the question. My, my no, apologies. I just I was just commented on how like you were literally like oh, oh, by yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're by yourself. So yeah, when you're out there, it's like unless you're on some big giant tour, you maybe get something. But other than that, you know, you're pretty much on your own. A lot of the headlining bands uh, that you'll you know that you and your listeners will go see at shows and stuff. Like if something goes wrong with the bus, they're out of pocket for that. I remember mm -hmm. being on tour with another band that was very helpful to us in our formative years was smile empty soul. Okay. Sean, the singer for that band really like showed us a lot of like, Hey, this is a lot of how this stuff works. And, uh, you know, kind of the dangers of some of the things that we were doing. Uh, very, very helpful. We were like trying to lean into radio, which is very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and Sean basically explained like, listen, if you got a hundred thousand dollars or more, you could probably just have a number one single because there, there is truth to the fact that there is a bit of a money game to this in radio mm -hmm. um now that gave us the like okay we need to focus on other things we need to focus on social media we need to focus on building an email list and all these other kind of different things uh so sean helped us out a lot and he but anyway he had a, a van that was a mercedes van i believe i can't remember what the, that model's called yeah. He had something go wrong with it and he had to go to a Mercedes dealership and like pay eight grand out of pocket or something for, for something that went wrong randomly. And it was like, man, that like dip really, really heavily into their profits for the, yeah, like that like, alone could make or break someone right there. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, dude, like, I've, I've seen some artists and been on a couple tours where you don't make that much in the whole tour. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you make five grand or less. Some some bands come back, they make two grand or less. You know, and you, when you yeah. got to split that four ways, that's tough, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other thing. Like, I couldn't imagine. Like people always want to be like, I would love to be a musician. It's like I don't know. The more I hear about it, <laughs> the more well, it just sounds like it sucks. <laughs> well, dude, I'll tell you right now, man. Like the the upside and the reason like like we all do this in spite of all those difficulties is that what you experience, which is just the live show and the connection mm -hmm. that music brings, you know, like that, that feeling of performing for an audience and getting response back like that relationship, you can call it, you know, when you're in front of an audience, that is better than anything, any drug you could ever imagine, basically. Yeah. To the point where when you're on tour and you're doing that every night, You'll come home from tour and you'll kind of go back to the normal thing. And when it comes around seven, eight, nine o'clock, depending on what time your set was, your brain will almost be like, where's our, where's our little, our dopamine and serotonin kick that we normally get whenever we're performing for people. And you don't get that. So your brain kind of goes into a weird depression. So okay. it's like. When You're I say it's a drug, it. I mean, I'm kind of being literal a little yeah. bit because it's so incredibly fun and powerful. You know, even if you only get like for us, we get 30 to 45 minutes, depending on the gig, you know, that's still like such a blessing to be able to do that, you know, and to have people actually say they like it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, awesome. And, and going off that, that's what I wanted to bring up next is um like, you know, just haven't been to a lot of like shows, but like festivals too. You see so many bands in a day. Uh, I've seen a lot of, you know, openers, even sometimes headliners. Like some of them, they just don't like their live show is what makes you come back. And some of them just don't leave that impression on you. But you guys, I remember is like, that was electric, like not just blowing smoke either. Like, honestly, like that. It was, well, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. 
yeah, like the interaction with the crowd, the just the energy. Is that what did that come natural, or was that something you guys had to formulate and say, all right, we got to dial in, we got to practice our live presence? How'd you guys go about yeah. that? Uh, it's it's kind of a combination of both, honestly. Like there are definitely things that we try to like points we know, like for instance, me and Gabe will strategize together and he'll, you know, okay, the things I need to cover, I need to make sure I talk about the merch tonight. I need to make sure I talk about the Spotify and the socials and that kind of stuff. Like just mention it once, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he has to figure out how to just naturally do that in a set. Mm -hmm. Just kind of figure out where it flows out naturally. But then, you know, there's a lot of times he'll just go up there and he'll just say stuff and I'll hear him just talk off the cuff, you know, yeah, but we're we're leaning more into structured shows, and you know, uh, like doing transitions between songs and, and different things like that. Just because uh, the main thing we're looking for, and this is a good lesson to any musician listening, is the main thing that we're looking for is the experience that the fan has through the show. Um, mm -hmm. I would look at this one band as a great model for like pushing the envelope in the rock genre in the live show setting and that's nothing more. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I heard of them. Dude. If you have not seen any live clips of them, I highly recommend it. One, because they're so intense and they're a band that we were on tour with in 2018. Uh, that's, that's kind of a crazy story in and of itself. But uh, what that was something that we learned from nothing more, you know, is, you know, we, we always tried to go out and put out a good show and me and, uh ryan the bass player we would always do our best to kind of put out and make uh, you know same with zach the drummer yeah but then once we got to nothing more we saw that that intensity could get pushed to such heights you know and then they have like contraptions and that's the only thing i, I don't that's the only word i know to describe it where they have <laughs> like their guitar or a bass guitar gets latched onto this contraption where it can it can turn 360 but it can also turn uh, this way, right? Okay. So, like so, gyrates a bit. Yeah. So they, so what they'll do is they'll, they'll flip it. So it's upside down and then the singer will drum on the strings with drumsticks. Wow. And the other two members will finger different things on the fretboard <laughs> and create different melodies while he's doing that. And the drummer's playing a whole thing along with them. And it's, <laughs> it's really, really amazing to watch live. Like if you see that live, you're going to be like, dude, what just happened? <laughs> you know because a lot of it, and you know we're guilty of this as well i'm not judging or anything but a lot of rock bands we fall into the habit of like all right we go up in front of the people we play the songs we go home you know like mm -hmm. there's not much more thought into the show than that usually it's like okay we'll play these songs in this order go do it you know right. just kind of figure it out but when you think like a band like nothing more probably does when they're thinking like what what's something that we could create that's just engaging and fun and hype and all those different kind of things you you come out with like you when you say the the live show is what brings a fan back fans that see that are coming back yeah yeah you know so it's yeah i think it's it's a bit of both some of it just comes off the cuff naturally um but there is a, a part of it that is structured it is, mm -hmm. we want the audience to feel a certain way. We want them to, you know, uh, have basically the best time possible while they're, while yep. they're watching, you know? Right. Awesome, man. And, uh, and let's dive into, uh, like what you do. Uh, I, if anyone 
follows Daxton on anything or, or knows about his page or his his side business or whatever you'd call it, he yeah. you help out basically you help out other musicians to understand the industry, right? Yep. Absolutely, man. That is um the company's called Musicians Ignite. Yep. That's that's what we uh the the phrase in that is is pretty literal we i want people you know counter to a lot of stuff that you've heard right um i want people to be excited about the music industry yeah which i know is kind of a tough ask because Mm -hmm. people have heard so many bad things about how labels work and all this different kind of stuff which all of that is true (laughs) (laughs) but the things are kind of yin yang they kind of coexist at the same time where on one side, yes, the dark side of the industry is still there, yeah. you know, but there is this new side to it where the artist has more control than ever. You know, people like to talk crap on Spotify and stuff like that. And they're by no means a perfect company when it comes to how artists should be paid yeah. from streaming royalties. But the invention of that type of technology, that type of software that everyday people can access. Mm-hmm. Um, and its competitors like Apple Music and all that kind of stuff. I feel like that is so much more helpful for the artist um, because you're ultimately in control. Any artist can sign up for a site that will distribute their music. And uh, now that does pose some cons, you know, like yeah. 100,000 new songs are uploaded every single day. Yeah. But my, my job, I feel like in, in Musicians Ignite is to show artists that other side of the music business. That side mm-hmm. of the music business was like, listen, you can have control over the things that matter, yep. right? Like you can control your songwriting. I've been in a situation where we were signed with a label with a little, with a particular type of agreement. It wasn't like a 360 deal or anything like that, mm-hmm. but we were involved with a label and they were trying to influence our songwriting. They were okay. trying to say, ah, oh, no, no, you need to cut this out. You need to move this here and you need to do this. And we're like, wait a second, who's the band here? Mm-hmm. You know, who are the songwriters? And that whole situation was frustrating because then we got to the end of it where it was released and the label came back and said, yeah, I'm glad we did that part your way. I'm like, oh, who would have thought? You right. know, the, the artist knew how the song should have sounded. Who, who would have thought? So you don't have to deal with that anymore. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of the remnants of the past where most oh. independent starting up artists, you can do a lot of this by yourself. Now, it's still difficult. It's still mm-hmm. a difficult business. But the tools are here. And a lot of people just don't, one, know that the tools are there or know how to use the tools that are provided. You know, I've seen a lot of people, when I talk about one of the most effective tools for a music business, go, I I, I didn't even know that existed. And I'm just like, man, like, if we could just show artists all that's available to them, I think there would be kind of a renaissance. Yeah. And, And that's what I'm trying to ignite, so to speak. Is is that renaissance of artists who understand how the game is played? I have uh, I have a term that I've coined for these people, which are the money smart musicians. Mm-hmm. Where you know everyone talks about starving artists and all this kind of stuff. Like I, I'm like, what's the opposite of that? It's a yeah. it's a musician who is smart with his money and or her money and knows exactly what to do to create lasting wealth. Because most people, when they go into a profession, they can kind of you know, like if you're, let's say you're going to a, you're going to be a football player, right? Yeah. Even if, 
you know one day you're not going to be a professional ball player. You can kind of see your future. You can predict. Yeah. You can say, like, okay, I'm going to get hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars now. I'm going to play the game for as long as I can, but I'm going to set myself up that once I'm done with the game, I don't ever have to work ever again. Right. And I can just live and I can just do my thing. You can. A lot of musicians don't have that, right? Mm -hmm. For example, you know, when someone's going to be a lawyer, a doctor, um, an engineer, there's that path very clearly laid out in front of them. But for musicians, it's like, how the heck am I going to have that kind of security right. or certainty with my financial future? And so one of the things I did, I, it's, it's over here to my right, is my <laughs> bookshelf. I, just, I studied for like 10 years, different, oh, wow. like all the different financial education books, uh, books on investing, books on marketing, books on sales, books on uh, investing in stocks, investing in life insurance, crypto, you name it, all the different money, you know, I was like, I want to know what about it all. So I just started researching and researching and researching. And uh, I put together a course called the Money Smart Musician. For anybody that's interested, you can just go to moneysmartmusician.com and check out a little presentation that breaks all this down. Um, but I basically go through everything an artist needs to know to become financially educated. Um, okay. And so that they have the the tools and the knowledge that they can, you know, actually like set themselves up for the future and not be taken advantage of and just different things like that, you know? Yeah. So what made you want to take this on? Cause like, it's a very, like, that's a very honorable thing to do, help out other musicians and stuff. But that's another thing you have to do. And a lot of musicians could only yeah. focus on music. So like what, I mean, that's true. Yeah. What, what, <laughs> but, but like, like what made you like, think like, I want to help out these guys. I want to like, just make it, make it easier for these guys. I don't even know people who just sign up yeah. for the course. Well, I mean, put it this way. Like I'm not going to lie and pretend like there's no incentive for me financially to do it. Right. Like, I yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like I, you know, I charge money for my courses and I, you know, I'm a free market guy. And so, you know, so I'm not going to pretend like it's just totally like I, I just do it all for free. I do charge money for some of the things that I find ultimately valuable that I don't see people talking about. And that is actually unique information. Um, or at least well aggregated, organized information. Yeah, and uh, so so the other, th but what made me pick that specifically? Because I could, you know, we can all do that with many different things. We could all have all different kinds of side hustles. But for me, I'm like, it, I think of my own story personally. Actually, like when I look at what I've gone through in my journey through the music business, I look at like, dude, I've went through this pitfall i went through this pitfall i went through this one i made this mistake this mistake and i was like imagine if artists didn't have to go through that when mm -hmm. they started out what if they could just have someone like kind of clear the pathway a little bit and say okay listen i can't take the minds out of the minefield but i can at least tell you where they are yeah. you know and it kind of helped navigate you through the business a little bit you know and so at first i was trying to create like this all in one program that was going to encompass everything but it's just not possible there's so many facets of the music business right uh that i had to start segregate you know i had to start breaking them up into little courses as opposed to one giant course um sure. you know but uh for me i'm like I, I want artists to start out from a position of certainty you know like when we go into this profession it's a risky thing. It's risky when you do any kind of creative thing. Like I mentioned being a basketball or football player, mm -hmm. right? That's a risky thing to do too. Cause it's such a small percentage of people that actually make it to the professional level. Yeah. And that's no different in really any industry. 
mm-hmm. um, in, in the music industry is just another fa- uh, facet of the entertainment industry. And yeah, it, the, the odds are really slim, but I'm like, okay, I can face that front, you know, head on and realize, okay, that's what I'm up against. But what are the things I can do to nudge this in my favor? Because mm-hmm. if I just sit here and do nothing, then yeah, the odds are how they are. But what, what are the things I can do to increase my odds? Right. You know, okay, I can start building up an email list. I can start marketing on social media. I can, oh, I, I, there's advertising. I can be in control of my own ads. Okay, that's cool. You know, you start learning different things. And um, ultimately, an artist can be in a situation where they just start out. They can put all their music up on Spotify and all that kind of different stuff. You don't need a label. And then you can collect all the royalties from that if you sign up for the proper channels. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, you can basically set up your own music business, but a lot of people just don't know what what those different things are, how to do it. And that's where someone like me comes in. Is I can like I help organize everything in their head because I know when someone's like, "Dude, I've got so many different things that I'm working on at one time." I'm like, "Dude, I understand completely." Right. <laughs> For a long time, a lot of my music business stuff has just been me and some close inner circle people, whether it be my family or friends that have, that have been running and managing this. And so yeah. I understand what it's like to take on all this different stuff at the same time. So um, that's what I help artists do is help. I help them organize all that stuff, systematize it, and just kind of know what the strategies are to help them create this, uh, turn this into a business, you know, that because... Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we got to, I see this all the time on social media art. There's some artists that are very sensitive about this, where, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to make money as an artist and you don't do it the way they like it, you're considered (laughs) a sellout sellout, or whatever, you know, like I understand where some people get the term, you know, if like if a band totally changes their sound for a specific reason. But even then it's like, like I take a band like Shinedown. I love Mm -hmm. Shinedown. And at some point around 2012, I believe, they started to make a sonic shift into more of a pop rock side as opposed to the hard rock stuff. And at first I was like very against it. But Mm -hmm. I could just see how like they were like they just they've evolved past that. They're like, I don't feel the same way to write that same kind of music anymore. I've grown and I feel differently. So I want to write music that reflects that. And I'm like, yeah, what's really wrong with an artist growing? Why do they have to do the same thing forever? Right. Yeah. You know, like, and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And like yeah, that there's that like progressing, like, I don't, if you don't progress, I don't think you're doing it right. You know, I think there's an yeah. argument you made there, but also with the sellout thing, like you got to remember these guys, like they, this is their livelihood. Yeah. If they want to support their family themselves and you know what I mean? It's just like being at a regular job, getting promoted. You know, that's kind of like you, you want to move up. You want to get a raise. Like that's how it kind of works. Right. So like, I, I definitely, like you said, there, there is some validity to be like, Oh, they sold out. He's not playing what he used to. And it's like, they either progress creatively or, you know, you got to make money. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, you know, and then that's the thing too, is like, if it's making money, then there's obviously enough people that like that new material that it can make money. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, 
I think artists should have the ability to change like that. You know, they're obviously going to face some kind of backlash because their old fans are going to be like, that's not what I remember, you know, but right, yeah. that's okay. You know, we, we mm-hmm. try to do that on the regular basis now so that they always know we're going to throw a left hook at them. Yeah. <laughs> so they'll be like, oh, it's a hard rock song and then it's a metal song and then it's a bluesy rock song. Like, I don't know yeah. what to expect. It's like, good. <laughs> Because then, yeah. then maybe that's why we don't have a genre. Because then they'll pigeonhole, and then I'll, we'll never then hear the stuck. end of it. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So like that whole myth of of selling out. Anytime you try to turn this into a business, but you know, it is what it is. You can still just because it becomes a business doesn't mean it has to affect the songs. Doesn't mean it has to affect yeah. any of that kind of stuff. I, I'm a big believer. That like when you're writing the songs, you just write the songs because you think that's a great song that's going to come out. You know, you you write that song because it's something that you're hearing and that mm-hmm. needs to it needs to get out, right? Yeah. So you just get it out because you get it out, and then you know, it then after that, it's like okay, now we've got a thing, we've got this piece of art. Now how can we figure out how to leverage that so that we can get fans and then all this other stuff business wise that comes after it? Yeah, like they can still both happen at the same time and not really conflict with each other, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, I think they work together personally. It's like, wow, you have this beautiful creative process that's making music. And then you have the system like processes of business that just help make that something that you can make a living from. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, you're, I don't think you're never going to have a hundred percent of your fans be on board, no matter what you do. Like look at yeah, for sure. uh, like ACDC one of the biggest bands of all time like people that that's the first thing you hear like the people who don't like them they're like oh it just sounds the same every time but like at the same time like that works that's their formula that's that's formula that's what you they, think of when you think of acdc is that sound if all of a sudden he just got yeah. up there and started going oh you'd be like yeah. what is going on right now? <laughs> that's not ACDC. exactly <laughs> <laughs> which that would be sweet but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah um awesome man so what i guess there's you cover so much in your uh in your program and i guess if the, i hope this isn't too broad of a question but if there was like a number one tip or a rule that you could give like an aspiring musician right now or an upcoming musician to live by or mm-hmm. always look back to what would that be? Oh man, that's a really tough question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause yeah, that's, it's important. You know, what's, what's, you know, what's something if I could say is like the number one piece of advice, you know, I, well, an addendum to my response will be though. This is what I think is the number one, most important thing. There are probably five or 10 other things that are maybe equally important, you yeah. know, Mm-hmm. I, I just happened to think that this one just sneaks up to number one. Yeah. Um, I would say that the, the biggest thing I could give to a, an aspiring musician who's just starting out mm-hmm. is belief. You have to have belief that you can do this because what our brains are programmed to do is to reinforce our beliefs. And if we have a deep thing in the back of our head that says, you know, I'm not worthy to be successful, 
Um, I, I'm not going to be successful. This isn't going to work. You know, all these kind of things. If we have those beliefs that we haven't really gotten rid of, they're just chilling back here. Our brain will basically work to reinforce those beliefs, even if it's right. on, like, on like an unconscious level. So I think a lot of artists are in this stage where they just don't believe it's possible. They don't believe mm -hmm. they can do it because they've seen all the negative stuff that's out there, you know? Um, but I think the first step that any artist needs to take, and it's probably one of the most important things because ultimately whenever things start to go south, the one thing you have to, re you have to rely on to keep going in this business is your belief that you can make it work. You know, right. I, I remember when I, uh, when we were, Akira was, you know, we were chugging along and we got to 2018 and our original singer, Jesse died in a car crash in Ohio. Oh. And, uh, at that time, it was tough to believe that we could keep doing it and that that wasn't just the end and that we had peaked and experienced the high point that we were going to experience. And maybe that was just the nail in the coffin. No, mm -hmm. pun, no pun intended. Yeah. But uh, it's like it was it was just one of those moments where, OK, we're going to pursue. We believe that this is worth pursuing, that there's something here that if we just put it aside now, we would look back when we're 80 and go, man, we might've had lightning in a bottle and just let it go. Yeah. You know? And so then we were like, you know what? We have to do it. We have to keep pursuing on. I think that's what Jesse would have wanted. And all this, that kind of stuff drove us forward. And so in the moments where we were at the literal, like this could be the end for us the thing that kept us going was our belief that we had the ability to do something that could affect people you know and the music changed ever since then the mm -hmm. music that was written from that point onward had more thought in mind of the fan of yeah. of, of the effect that the song would have on the person that was one thing that we didn't necessarily consider in the early days but now it's definitely one of the things that's forefront in the conversation of songwriting is what effect it's going to have on people. And I think we've had way bigger opportunities, you know, touring with seven dust and Tremonti and uh, you know, you know, touring with blacktop mojo and otherwise meeting so many great people and different bands like low water, those shout out to our boys in low water. Uh, you know, like it was, it was like, wow, we could have, none of this would have happened if we would have not believed. You know, so I would say that that's the number one piece of advice I would give to an aspiring artist is is to believe that if this is if this is genuinely what you want, then you have to believe you can do it. But if this is something that's just like a little fling, you know, then it is what it is. You maybe don't want it, and that's okay not to pursue it if you don't actually want it. But if you want it, you got to commit, and if you're going to commit, you got to believe you can do it, or else why commit? Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, and that's just inspir inspiring to any anyone, not even like above, like beyond musicians. And um, well, thanks, man. Yeah, and and I just to hit back on now that you mentioned it, and we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but like after Jesse did pass, was mm -hmm. that um, and, and you kind of hit on you had to believe and everything. Is that not how tough was it? But was it like? right away was it like all right we got to keep doing this we got to believe we could do it or was there a period of time like how was that transition if you don't mind answering i don't know no, that's fine dude um that was real i mean it was tough man because sure. you know you 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 work with someone 
really into, you know, plus there was the shock of just everything. There was a lot of stuff that I won't di- I dive into yeah. because it's not my place to for that right. particular right. information. But there was some stuff going on before he passed where it was like, man, I really hope things turn around, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then all of a sudden that happened. And we this is kind of a goes into your question of like, uh, was it just instant? Like, what was the, you know, the incentives yeah. and stuff? Yeah. That tour with nothing more, we confirmed and booked at the end of 2017, probably December of 2017. Um, so Jesse was in the band when we confirmed the tour. And okay. then when we got to January, he passed away. And the tour was in February. Mm-hmm. And so we yeah. had this pressure over our heads of like, nothing more had just gotten nominated for three Grammys mm-hmm. and they were really on top. They had this whole tour that was in big places and that was sold out for a lot of the shows. And it was like a huge opportunity. And it was just like, what do you do? You just lost yeah. the most crucial, you know, element of your band, you know, in a sense, which is your, your voice. And uh, mm-hmm. so we, we, for a minute there, we didn't know whether we were going to be able to do that tour because yeah. we didn't know whether we were going to be able to be a band, you know, we mm-hmm. didn't, we didn't know what was going to go down, but, um, ultimately, you know, we just kind of like, okay, well, we've got this tour coming up. We can either, you know, like say no to the tour and then just kind of take some time, mm-hmm. you know, like some, oh, that's what a lot of people would have done. And I understand yeah. is, you know, just like, all right, well that happened. Let's not do that. Let's right. take some time. But we understood that if this, in fact, if we're going to continue to do this, we would hate to get to a point where we're like, man, that would have been a really good opportunity. Mm-hmm. And we just turned it down. So what we did is we decided, okay, if we're going to commit to keep doing this, then we're going to go on that tour. And we found a a guy named Vincent who was going to sing for us. And, you know, that tour was kind of a yin-yang sort of thing. It was uh, at one end. I was a huge fan of Nothing More, and Mark, the guitar player for that band, had actually given me some personal one-on-one lessons for songwriting and stuff like that. Okay. And so he was he was an influence for me. And so mm-hmm. seeing them kill it every night was so amazing, and seeing these sold-out crowds that are watching a band that I felt was like, I'm like, man, these songs are actually like well-written songs, and they have good messages in them, and there's powerful storytelling and all this kind of good stuff. But on the other side of it, our our guy Vincent, there was times where he was, you know, not necessarily performing at the full capacity that we needed to, you know, it was a great opportunity. We still made fans that are still fans of us to this day, yeah. but man, it could have been capitalized on way more uh, because he was kind of in the mindset of like, well, once this tour is over, you know, we're going to have to go record new music and we're going to go do this. So it, he wasn't really focused too much on the task at hand. He was focused on what's going to happen after. Yeah. And we were still just trying to get through this tour and make sure that we could hold it together, you know. So there was that. Tra- and then after it didn't work out with Vince, uh, Vincent, we were right back to square one. It was like, well, dude, OK, well, now what do we do now? We still don't have a singer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what? Right. <laughs> What the heck are we going to do? So what Ryan and I did is we had a show, funny enough, with uh, the band Puddle of Mud. Oh, we yeah. had a show with them, and uh, I sang for I sang that gig. Oh, okay. And I never, I never leads, 
I've never been a lead singer ever. You know, it's the only show I ever did that. The fans said that it was good. So I'm I'm happy with that, you know. Uh, that's, yeah. all, that's the best you can ask for is just for yeah. the fans to be like, that was good. I wasn't, you know, like some of the volume, I couldn't really hear you as well, but it wasn't terrible. I'm like, that's great. I'll take it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to get through the gig. And for then, sure. Uh, then once we found Gabe, we were like, okay, it's time to like dive all in. It's time to like, now we've got someone who can, who can deliver the goods, who can do yeah. what we're, we're trying to do. And so the first song we wrote together uh, that to completion was a song called 16 Sons. And that's one of our singles that people can listen to. Uh, and it, it was really cool because it was a total, like we hadn't really written a song like that, you know? And uh, there were some real positive messages lyrically that came out of that song out of a really dark time period in the band mm -hmm. you know uh it, it was really cool not that the song isn't about that stuff it's actually about a dream that gabriel had but it was it was a great song that paired with what was happening with us right. you know so um it was it was it was crazy man there was a lot of ups mm -hmm. and downs through it but ultimately you know we're happy that we pushed through to the end you know pushed through the other side of that yeah and that Absolutely, because like I said before, I I saw you guys, and obviously that you had Gabe at that time, and um, yeah, it was incredible shit, man. Honestly, like like because you, you people say all oh, the old the old adage, rock is dead. It, it ain't fucking dead. It ain't even close to dead. Especially when you yeah. like, yeah, it, it's just yeah. great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but Dax, man, thanks for hopping on. It, it's great, insightful talking to you. I appreciate it. Um. Thank but, you, Sam. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on, man. It was, yeah. it was good. I had a really good time. So, yeah, thanks, man. Absolutely. But before we go, if you want to talk about any, uh, maybe some upcoming music or upcoming dates or plug your socials, go right ahead. Oh, thanks, man. So, yeah, if anybody wants to listen to uh, Kira Music, I recommend going to kiramusic.com. Um, we've got our playlist, like, right on the website. You can listen to some tunes if you really dig it. Check out our fan club i you know people say like go to our spotify and stuff like i, I figure if you like it you'll be on the spotify right but the thing yeah. that's really cool that we're excited about that we're going to be pushing hard in 2024 is our fan club um i'm going to make a bold statement here which is i think that we have probably the best fan club in the music business at least in the okay. rock world uh, all right event sevenfold might have us beat but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna try to give them a run for the money we don't have any nfts or anything but you know, oh. <laughs> we're going to do our best, you know, to make it cool and, and interactive. Um, so check that out if you want to listen to uh, Kira. And um, if you want to get more insight about the music business and you want to learn more about how to actually like create a business from your music, uh, go check out Musicians Ignite on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we have a YouTube channel as well. Um, you can also go to musiciansignite.com. Uh, and there's ways that you can book one-on-one -on -one consultations with me. Even if you don't want to sign up for the program, that's totally fine. We have one-off consultations that you can book. Um, so, yeah, I look forward to helping anybody out that wants to learn more about the music business and help grow their uh, their band to, to new heights, you know. Awesome, man. But, uh, yeah, everyone, check uh, check out Dax out. Check Dax out, all his, uh, his program he has going on. Just scrolling through his Instagram, you get a preview of it. And it's – I'm not even a – like a – professional musician and i'm like hooked on it for some reason it's just it's hey, just cool, cool shit man. to know I, yeah hey i and, appreciate um, that that's really cool man yeah and uh also check out a rowdy alternative on uh the socials also check out raise rowdy and uh and uh raise so everybody thanks for listening and uh we'll see you next time <laughs>